Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. St. Xavier University is for students who want more out of their future. We pride ourselves on preparing graduates with the skills they need to succeed in life. Visit xxu.edu to start plotting your path to a brighter tomorrow. St. Xavier University, the best in you. Welcome to the Under Center Podcast presented by St. Xavier University with our Bears contributors, Eric Strobel, Alex Shapiro, Tony Gillis, running the pod, and I am Kenneth Davis. The Bears lose in Lambeau Field 45 to 30. You can say it's a tell of two halves, but we all knew the outcome, um, even with the Bears being a half in the first half. Um, listen, that first half, uh, you felt good, um, especially being that this team is downtrodden and we all know that we expect change at the end of the year. We'll foresee. Actually, we'll get into your article a little bit later that you can Alex's article that you can find on NBCSports.com about Trace Armstrong and that whole thing that kind of blew up this weekend. So we'll dive in that towards the end of the show. But at the beginning of the show, we're going to focus on last night's game uh, on uh, in Football America. Um, listen, guys, the Bears came out hot. Um, Tony Gill came with slander on the text line for Justin Fields. <laughs> um, and even I, I, I want to touch on that later. But the Bears came out hot in that first half, even with a pick six. Um, they they went up 20, 24 to 21 against a Green Bay Packers team in Lambeau Field uh, against a man who who rightfully proclaimed he owned the team the last time we saw him at Soldier Field. What were your guys' thoughts at the first half as far as what took place with the Bears versus the, the Packers in Green Bay? My first thought was, where has this been for so long? Um, the offense was working. And I think everybody deserves credit for that. I think the wide receivers deserve credit for that. I believe the scheme, Matt Nagy's play design, I mean, it worked. The Jakeem Grant touchdown was schemed up beautifully. You got Jakeem Grant, a guy with incredible speed in space with like half the team blocking in front of him. That was a great play. And then the Demir Bird touchdown. I mean, the way that play was designed to get Demir Bird, again, a very fast guy, streaking across the field with green grass in front of him. That's not a mistake. You know, that doesn't happen on accident. That's schemed up that way to get Demir Burt the the ball with with nothing but green grass in front of him. And then that was it. I mean, it, we we had it for a second quarter and and then it was and then it was done, really. But it was just like again, where has this been? Where has this been forever? Um, and then what was interesting is I thought David Montgomery was rushing the ball very well again. And then he was also, he kind of became an afterthought and it, it's tough, this push and pull with the bears offense, right? It's the David Montgomery is an, is our identity and we're going to lean on him and he's going to have 20 carries for a hundred yards and a score, but then they're only going to score 17 points and it's not going to matter because they're kind of plotting and chewing it up and chewing up clock and all this versus, oh, they're finally getting these splash explosive plays. But now we've completely forgotten about David Montgomery, who is still an important piece. And it's just, you know, it makes me wonder, man, how do the Buccaneers do it? Because the Buccaneers have the explosive plays. 
And they also have Leonard Fournette. And they're they able to make it all work. Um, so that was just kind of turning over my mind. All of those kind of those those different things. Real quick, it kind of goes back to what we were saying last week, E, before you jump in as far as uh, they get one thing going. And I forget which one of you brought up the run game and, and as far as it was like, but what about the tight ends? And like, it's it's that again, Alex. We can only like, have okay. one thing. We can only have one thing, yeah, Ken. That's all I want to put in. Go ahead, E. <laughs> well, I, I'll go out on a limb and say the Buccaneers make it work because they have uh... – a lot of things the Bears don't in terms of <laughs> in terms of both on field talent and coaching staff uh, uh, scheming and ability and whatnot. I think there's a lot in Tampa down there that the Bears are searching for still. Um, but it's a fa- it's a valid point. You, you, you got to believe there's a happy medium right where David Montgomery can get more than one carry in the second half, a second half that you entered with the lead, by the way. It wasn't like they were chasing. They were chasing at the end of the game. Um, it just it, there were. A lot of good things. Obviously, they played about, aside from the pick six, the first half went about as well as you could have hoped for, right? In terms of the Bears in Lambeau, kind of spiraling already right now. Like, coming out 27 first half points is not something we're accustomed to. That's They were averaging 17 a game. Less than 17 a game. Now, now it was not all the offense. Obviously, we got to give props to special teams. Special teams accounted for seven of those with the punt return. The first punt return touchdown in the league this year, which is crazy if you think about it. Obviously, kickoffs have been somewhat legislated out of the game. There's far fewer attempts at kickoff returns than there used to be. Uh, but punt return punts punt returns are still the same. That's still you still, you know, get uh decent attempts there. So that's kind of crazy. It's the first one. Um but it goes back to you mentioned Alex's article. Adam Hogue, our, our guy Hogue, wrote a, a column last night or early this morning, I should say, early, early Monday morning. Shout out to Hogue. I think it posted at like 345 in the morning. Um, looking at the difference, the stark difference in adjustments made between Matt Nagy and Matt LaFleur coming out of halftime. And something that the Bears did fairly well in the first half was was limit Devontae Adams. He did score a touchdown in the first half, but his numbers were not popping off the chart. But you know what Matt LaFleur and the Packers decided to do in the second half? They decided to do whatever they had to do to get Adams the ball and get him away from Jalen Johnson, who had a really nice game, Mm -hmm. really nice game. Uh, Per advanced stats, um, against Jalen Johnson, Devontae Adams had two catches on five targets for 19 yards and a score. So pretty pedestrian, right? Against all other uh, defenders in coverage, he was eight for eight for 102 and a touchdown. That's an adjustment. That's a second half adjustment. Looking at what the team, the, the opposing team is trying to do to you and doing something different, adjusting to the adjustment, right? The bears, on the other hand, here are their drives in the second in the, uh, to start the second half. I mean, you're, you're up 27, 21, you're feeling pretty good. You've got some explosives going in the first half for the first time in forever. It feels like two plays minus one yard, lost the, uh, lost the ball in a fumble, three plays, four yards, punt, three plays, minus one yard, punt, three plays, five yards, punt, game's over. Because in that time, the Packers have gone from down 27-21 to up 45-28. That's, that's, the, that's the stretch where it happened. I mean, that second quarter was fun. 45 points. Like, when's the, when does that happen in Bears games? It doesn't. So that was enjoyable. You, I think there were six straight drives that ended in touchdowns for one team or the other, which is just it – was, it was whiplash. It was like, wait, what are we – a bears running to the end zone. All the bears, another bears running to the end zone. Like, what is what is going on here? So that was fun, but it was fleeting. It was it was it was just a fleeting, enjoyable quarter. And then, in in all the other quarters, the all other three quarters, they scored three points. 
like that that's uh, it's not good enough you can't have these we're talking about years in bears history right being like outliers right being like mm -hmm. oh 2001 outlier 2010 out whatever you can't have just outlier quarters you have to be better for 60 minutes it's it's that old adage play the full 60 and they did not yesterday if they had maybe they would have had a better chance at winning that game but it was nice to see some flashes but it's it's kind of the story of the Matt Nagy era right consistency just or lack thereof I, I think it's funny, too, that I feel like as a fan base, we're more knowledgeable. I think there's still those stands that hold out that if the Bears would have won, oh, look what they did. There Perhaps there shouldn't be any changes. But I think all of us, even with what they did in the first half, we're still like, yeah, this doesn't mean anything. And I, I'm, I, yeah. that's what I like, I think, about the Bears fandom now for the most part, where it's like, OK, you're not going to give me scraps. I'm going to think this is good enough. But getting back to that Hogue article that you talked about that dropped 3.30 this morning, you can check it out on NBCSports.com. Uh, um, one of the things that stuck out to me in, in, in the comparison to Matt LaFleur and Matt Nagy was what happened to Gambler Nagy that we were so used to. You can even go back to last year. You, I don't even have to say last year. We can go back to earlier on this season mm -hmm. where Nagy can go overboard with going forward on fourth. You're like, damn, this is the third <laughs> time in the game you're going forward on fourth, dog. The odds are against you. But with Hogue pointing out facing fourth and inches at the Bears' own 36-yard line, down 38-27 to 27 to the Packers in the fourth, Nagy opts to kick the ball away. And one thing before we jumped on this, uh, this, 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 uh, this podcast, and you were saying, Eric, was that, you know, he's resigned now to his fate. And, I mean... It certainly feels you know, that way. Yeah, you couple that with Arizona with one a couple week or a week ago, like... I don't even know if I'm does. mad. I don't even know if I'm mad that he's resigned. I mean, I'm, I'm mad as a, a fan of this team and for going for it, but has Baz's ride has been, I'm kind of happy that he's ready to get off. If that's what he's actually doing right now. <laughs> it certainly feels like he's ready as much as anybody else for this to kind of just like, this gotta be wearing on him. Right. You have to think he's, he's, everyone's not, every, every place. There's any fan, yeah. any fan base. They're cheering that you should be fired. Even he's not, he's not days. immune. He's it's not like he doesn't see these articles and these chants and everything. Like he was at his son's game. We talked about it in the pod a couple weeks ago. Like it, it wears on you, wears on your family. And I'm, I'm sure this is obviously this isn't how he or anyone or fans, players, anyone wanted this to go, but it's, it's it, what's happened has happened. And it, it's just kind of sad to see him, like you'd think if this is your last stand, right, in any in any situation, whether it's football or anything, like you want to go down swinging, right? And it certainly feels like with this punt, um, with the punt we talked about at length last week in the Cardinal game against teams where you know they're probably going to score more and points are going to be necessary for you. You're going to have to score a lot more than uh, than they might to, uh, to even have a shot against high-powered offenses and just to kind of wave the flag, right? Like it's, yeah. I don't know. Like we're we're good. I, I don't think we really have a shot here. We're just going to give you the ball back. And what does Aaron Rodgers do? Thirteen play, uh, seventy-one yard, eight and a half minute drive, just per usual, right? Um, it just felt like to me with him that was his moment of saying, you know what? Like I'm going to enjoy my last four games and then take my <laughs> take my talents elsewhere. And it's just going to it's probably mutually beneficial at this point. And this is what the Bears invited by bringing these guys back, right? Like there was a, this That's was a always point. kind of in the back of our minds saying, OK, well, he brought him back. It seemed like kind of a stretch at the time, but we'll, we'll give you the shot. And you're, you're, you set yourselves up for this lame duck situation, this dead man walking situation where now it's kind of you're just going through the motions. We're just we're just playing out the string. And it's just 
it's dispiriting it's disheartening and i feel bad for the guy because i think he you know seems like a, a genuinely good dude and uh clearly has uh, some sway in that locker room the team has not given up on him by any stretch of the imagination but it's just it hasn't worked and it's pretty clear and you mentioned the trace armstrong report and i'm sure we'll get into that later potentially but it certainly seems there's a lot of rumblings there's a lot of signs pointing toward a a full-on house cleaning here and a a total or if not a reorg or how whatever there's going to be big changes it certainly seems that way at house hall come uh come january that's it for another center podcast. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you, that was my you move. I played that right a couple there. episodes. You played it right there. We can we can bail out right there. Alex, uh, get mm-hmm. to that. Get into that play as far as punting it. What was going on in the press box and what was? I mean, even though you weren't, I mean, you weren't in Green Bay, but what what was everyone saying? Because in my mind, you still were in the press box. So. <laughs> I wish I was in the press box. No, I have not been traveling to road games this year, so I wasn't there. I was watching at home, which is honestly an interesting perspective as well. And I like the ability to rewind and hear what the guys are saying um, and all that. Um, But where it's not nice is, you know, um, on the punt return, you know, I'm like, I'm like, who who laid that block on him beside Marquis Christian? Was that Dion Bush? I'm like, oh, man, I don't got an angle. I don't know who that was, you know, so that part is tough. But, I mean, the fourth and one, I think it's what we all said. It's the surrender index, man. It's like, what do you have to lose? You're yeah. – were they – I believe they were down double digits at that point already. They, they were down 11, so you're going to need yeah. two scores. And you need two scores. It's the start of the fourth quarter, but it's fourth and inches. It wasn't even one. It was exactly. inches. Like, if you can't man. get inches, then what are you doing, man? Right. What are you doing? Especially you deserve Dave to lose, Montgomery like, in the Like, like Coach uh, wants to, Dave wants that said on our postgame show. If you can't get that, you deserve to lose the game anyway. Right. Sure. That's that's not a unique take, but it's that's that's how a lot of coaches view this, right? Like you're already down two scores. The game is teetering on the brink of being out of hand anyway. You're four and eight. Yeah, you're you're exactly. four and eight yes. going it's against, against the rival. team that yeah. says I own you and I still own you, and you're you're almost conceding that to me. To me, you're almost conceding that fact. You know, that's an opportunity to back up that second quarter and be like, no, no. We're going to push back and we're going to fight and we're going to win. But that punt to me almost feels like a concession of that. And then it's crazy, right? Because I think we all agree it was the wrong decision or it's maybe not, you could say right or wrong or whatever. It's not the decision we would have liked to to see. And they actually, they actually turned it into a good play. Yeah. They actually turned it into a good play and should have had the ball. But Kindleville door is flagged for running out of bounds and not making an effort to get back in. Which certainly seemed dubious. It seemed dubious on replay. Very dubious. dubious. What's even more dubious is on a later punt, you have a Packers player running along the entire sideline out of bounds unflagged. And that's just tough, man. That's a tough look. This that's is my shock face that the Packers are getting a little <laughs> bit of help. Well, this dude is so far out of bounds, it's reasonable to think like the refs did not see him. He was, he was hiding so far. He was like hiding out of bounds. <laughs> he's sprinting that's over tough. by the, he's sprinting by the heaters, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I think again, I think I speak for all of us when we say we would have liked them to to go for it there, because again, it's like you're four and eight. You're going against the team that has has rubbed it in your face and then has stood by it and is like, nah, yeah, I meant what I said and I said what I meant, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, I mean, that's just tough. That's just tough. 
Um, especially after when you look at the first half, it looks like the Bears came out with a ton of juice oh, yeah. and they were fired up and they were like ready to take that bull by the horns and win that game. And then that energy was not not there as much in the second half, in my opinion. And I don't know if it's because of the the fizzled drives or the miscues or what have you that drain that energy, but it didn't look to be the same. And then again, going back to the halftime adjustments, the Packers made adjustments and the bears didn't. And not only did the bears not have adjustments, they didn't have answers for the Packers adjustments. And Jalen Johnson said that explicitly. He said that explicitly. They changed some things at halftime. They started to work and we had no answers. And one of those big things, I believe, um, if we're getting laser focused on Jalen Johnson, was just moving Devontae Adams into the slot and getting little rub plays and getting little pick plays to scheme ways to get him open. And again, Jalen Johnson was like they made it incredibly difficult to cover him. Um, and, And the Bears couldn't figure out a way to stop it. Um, and it's interesting. Jalen Johnson, right, is is the shutdown corner of this team. And I believe there are going to be several new corners next season. <laughs> better be. <laughs> I don't think I'm going out on a limb there. Um, but it's also tough. You know, it's tough. The Bears were kind of in a crazy situation yesterday. They're already missing Duke Shelley, um, who, while he's had coverage issues, is a good open field tackler. Right. Um, they tried Marquis Christian. Marquis Christian didn't really work out. Xavier Crawford is kind of getting beat, but he goes down with a concussion. Yeah. So they tried DeAndre Houston Carson at that slot corner position. DeAndre Houston Carson goes out. The latter stages of that game, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Eddie Jackson was playing nickel corner, and they had Deion Bush playing safety um, because they had to move Eddie Jackson down. And, I mean, you can say next man up mentality. But at, at some point, I mean, they're going to run out of guys. When you have Eddie Jackson yeah. playing slot corner, I mean, like, that is not plan A. That's not plan B. That's not plan C. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So I'm not trying to give them an excuse, but it's kind of like to keep that in mind. I mean, that is tough. And the Packers, to their credit, the Packers, to their credit, and here, here, I'll, 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 I'll rag on the Bears again a little bit for everybody who thinks I'm going too easy on the Bears. I'll rag on the Bears a little bit in a second. The Packers, to their credit, said, oh, my God, they are having problem at slot yeah, corner. We're putting our best wide receiver at the slot, and we are just going to attack that. We're going to attack the middle of the field. What happens to the Packers? They lose their right tackle early in the game, and they've had issues on that offensive line. The Bears really didn't attack that, that side of the field. Or they couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, the Packers made adjustments to to shore that up. They couldn't exploit it. And the pa- the Bears could not exploit that. The Bears could not exploit that weakness. The Bears lose Jason Peters and Tevin Jenkins has to go in. We should talk about Tevin Jenkins a little bit. Yeah. He struggled. He struggled. He had the two false starts. He was flagged for two holdings, but only one holding was accepted because the other one ended up being a strip sack. They tried to help him with some chips and slams. So says Matt Nagy, but it didn't work. The help that they were trying to give uh, Tevin Jenkins, Tevin Jenkins was not was not as effective as the Packers' plan to help the new right tackle. And I apologize because I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, they got Aaron Rodgers out of the pocket. They were developing these short developing routes to get the ball out of his hands very quickly to mitigate that pass rush. It, it happened again in Week Six which is very interesting. Week six and week 14, 
The Bears got sacks on the first two drives of the game. The Packers adjusted, and the pass rush was completely mitigated. Mm. And that is just something that the Bears have not been able to, A, respond, respond to adjustments, and B, make adjustments of their own. And that, I mean, that was on full display. That macrocosm, that macrocosm problem that we've talked about, the Bears not being able to adjust or respond to adjustments. That macrocosm is, has been there all season, but it was on full display really in this game because, because of the stark differences between that first half and the second half. And I mean, it's been a recurring theme, right? This isn't a new problem. It, it's, it shows itself on defense. It shows, it shows itself on offense. A lot of times the first 15 will be just fine right. for Nagy and the offense and that, that whole group. And then when you're off script, all of a sudden when you're into the flow of the game, that's when things really start to grind to a halt. And that's just a death knell for a coach, an NFL coaching staff, because it's a game of adjustments. The best, the best teams are the ones who can take a punch, figure out what the opponent's doing, and prepare a counterpunch of their own and say, okay, well, you're trying to take player X away. We're going to do something to scheme player Y open and take advantage of what you're doing. Or on defense, like you're saying, Alex, oh, your right tackle's out. We're going we're gonna to prod that. We're going to poke that until it breaks, so to speak. And it's just not something that this this uh, team is capable of doing right now, and it's it, it, it's a it. Last night was as stark as it gets. Twenty seven, twenty one at half, twenty four three after half. Like that's that's about as black and white a, a contrast as you can have in the NFL. Of oh hey we had, we did some good things, some things worked well. We're feeling pretty good at half. Matt Nagy tells the broadcast, "I'm having so much fun." Having so much fun right now. Well, I guarantee you he wasn't having a ton of fun in the postgame locker room. Yeah, um, famous last words. Yeah, and <laughs> that was something that I know David Kaplan, our host on the Football After Show, and, and uh, obviously used to help host this pod and does a ton of stuff for NBC, NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, he, that was something he latched onto. He was not a fan of that um, that quote that Catherine Tappan relayed uh, from her, her quick chat with Nagy at halftime. And... Um, I don't know. It's just it's there's a lot of weird stuff going on this as this era winds down with Matt Nagy. And I'm not completely surprised by any of it, but it's just it's uh it was another very interesting chapter in the Bears Packers, the recent Bears Packer Packers rivalry, that's for sure. Let me ask you guys this. When it comes to Sean Desai, and we we kind of talked about the injuries when it came to the defensive backs. And I think one, let me say this. When you get to the point that Eddie Jackson's playing the slot regardless of whatever the GM could have done, you're in a bad, you're in a precarious situation. But when you get to the point where Kendall Vildor is starting and the league is eating him up, that's on Ryan Pace. All right. So he deserves that as far as you didn't line these defensive backs up and you didn't set them up in the best situation as far as the talent in that room. But when you get depleted the way they did depleted, I can't blame him for that. But with Sean Desai, and something that you said, Alex, as far as exploiting the injuries that the, the Packers had on the defensive line. And, it, and and I know Khalil Mack is out, but it's one of those weird things that where it kind of lets us know how we, we, we haven't been necessarily getting, um, we haven't been give, given everything when it comes to the amount of talent on this defense. And now you've been trying to uh, get everything out of it. And I'm talking about the early in the season stunts that you have between Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Of course, again, Khalil Mack is out, but I'm just saying as far as using that talent on different sides and at different times, mm-hmm. and Sean Desai didn't do that. And the reason I bring it up is because what you, what, if Matt Nagy is let go, 
one of the questions is going to come up is, well, what about Sean Desai? And I, I, I want to put that out there because mm-hmm. I don't think Sean Desai has done enough to me in layman's terms to where I'm even concerned about what happens with his future. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully towards him. I'm just saying that in general, in those situations that he hasn't shown me something that he's a rookie defensive coordinator. So it's not all on him, but unfortunately it is on him when it comes to that side of the ball, especially as far as we know that Matt Nagy kind of leaves the defensive side of the ball alone. Yeah. uh, To be fair, I have not rewatched the game. The, The game ended late last night was writing very early, you know, so I haven't had the opportunity to rewatch it. So there's a possibility they were doing things to try and exploit that. And it wasn't um, immediately obvious because it wasn't working. So I'll put that caveat. But, I mean, it it was not immediately obvious that they were trying anything to to exploit that, right? If it had worked, we would have noticed it. Um, that being said, I mean, you're kind of also right. He, he has done things that have been impressive, like the stunts, like using Roquan Smith in a very – He's had a good knack for using Roquan Smith in the pass rush, I've thought. Um, but, I mean, you can also look at the defensive the defensive breakdowns and the miscommunications. And how is he teaching that, that it's still not getting through? That even as, as recently as last week, I mean, there were still miscommunications. I think Jalen Johnson, I believe he said last night that there was another miscommunication, kind of a breakdown where on one of the touchdowns, it shouldn't have been a touchdown because they should have been all over it. Um, the fact that those things have continued to happen, that is that is kind of a, a, a bad mark on, on Sean Desai as the teacher of that defense, and he takes pride in being a teacher. Um, and then I think, you know, as, as we all kind of believe, it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point that Matt Nagy is gone this season, I think. It's kind of obvious that there's going to be new, new coaches coming in. Um, Bill Lazor is probably going to be out of a job. Sean Desai is probably going to be out of out of a job, and a lot of those assistant coaches are also going to be looking for work. Um, the difference is, 2018 when Nagy takes over the team, he keeps Vic Fangio because it was again very obvious. Oh, Vic's got something really cooking here that he it warrants keeping him around. And I, I agree with you. I just don't know that Sean Desai has done enough for any new regime to say, like, yeah, we absolutely must keep you around. I think he is a bright young mind, and I think he probably does have a future. But it's not been so incredible that you have to have him coming back. I mean, like like we just said, they gave up 45 points to the Packers. The Packers made these adjustments and they had no answer for them. That is not that's not something that makes you scream and say, like, yeah, we absolutely have to have this guy coming back, which is, you know, a bummer. And it sucks because, like I just said, he does have good ideas and he has had fingerprints on very good things on this defense. But it's it's the unfortunate reality to use Akeem Hicks's terms. It's the unfortunate reality of this business. And it seems to be the unfortunate reality that the Bears find themselves in now. And I, I don't want to uh, belabor the point, but I agree with you pretty much 100%. I mean, I think there's been impressive pieces, right? There's there's certain things that have gone really well, but the whole has just been pretty unimpressive, to be perfectly honest. I mean, now, to be fair, it was a flawed roster on the defensive side in, in, in places. Obviously, we've gone over the secondary gamble that they took, and it didn't has not worked out. Uh, and there's been injuries. I mean, let's be honest. You lose Khalil Mack, you lose one, your best 
best player on the team probably. And so that that nobody's going to be able to totally overcome that. But, but you bring up the miscommunications. That's been there since day one or game one, I should say, week one. Mm-hmm. And they, they're here in week 13, 14. Like that's that's coaching. It just is. Um, so I, I, while I do think he he's not a lost cause per se, like you're saying, Alex, he will have I agree with you. He will have kind of a future. I was not sorry. I, I misphrased that. You did not say he's a lost cause. <laughs> I agree with you. Like you're saying that he does have a future. It just it's probably not here. He has not done in my mind anything to, for a new coach to come in and say, I cannot let this guy get out of the building. Right. Um, I think it's going to be, we wish you well. You served several regimes here in different capacities here uh, up in, uh, up in Lake Forest at House Hall. And he'll probably have a lot of great references and this will be a good learning experience for him. Um, it might be one of those situations where a change of scenery can kind of unlock something for him and different roster, a different opportunity where he has a chance to get in with a coach on the ground level and have a couple of years to build up his program probably would help him too. Um, but yeah, the defense has been, not uh i don't think we expected it to be 2018 elite level again i I think that would have been foolish of us um but i think we expected a little more than this despite all the the injuries and whatnot and i do just want to shout out um robert quinn two more sacks he's got 14 this year he's now alone in third on the bears single season Mm -hmm. sack leaderboard behind oh he's actually sandwiched uh the two seasons ahead of him are richard dent and the two seasons behind him are richard dent so That is pretty some, good company. Some lofty Just, company. Um, and he's got four more games to get four more sacks. And if he does that, he will have the all time single season Bears sack record. So he's having one of the best uh, seasons a Bears defender has ever had by any by any measure. Um, and I actually I find it interesting. Khalil Mack's high with the Bears is 12 and a half. So he's got right. a sack and a half more than Khalil Mack has ever had in a season here. And I'm not trying to belittle or downplay the impact Khalil Mack has had, but just going by the raw numbers that's pretty impressive so shout out to robert quinn he has wildly exceeded anyone's expectations that you could have possibly had for him so he got two more um i know alex you 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 did bring it up it was early they mattered but got kind of shut out as long as well as most Mm -hmm. of the the other uh pass rushers the rest of the game Uh, i think they got one i think trevis gibson got one sack a little later in the game but the pressure certainly was not as constant as it was early on because I mean, the first quarter they played pretty well on defense. The coverage was mm-hmm. in good shape. The pass rush was getting home, but it's the adjustments. The Packers make adjustments. Aaron Rodgers, the wily veteran, uh, makes adjustments, and we they could not counter adjust. And that was the story on both sides of the ball. But I just wanted to shout out uh, Robert Quinn, as we he as we have been it. making a habit of, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. He he's been one of the few bright spots. I mean, my God, that's kind of yeah. the opposite discussion from the Sean Desai discussion. Is Robert Quinn playing at a level where the new regime says, <laughs> yeah. oh, we absolutely right. have That's to keep I was this. thinking the same thing. We, you have to keep these edge right now. And, of course, it's punitive with the cap hit. But, again, a new regime may want to take that hit just up front. So, you know what? I, yeah. I don't care about this year. But I'll say that with that thought. Now it put in my head, if the new regime, if there is a new regime, I should leave with it. We're going to get into Alex's article before he, we have to get up out of here. If there is a new regime, Robert Quinn has made it so that you have an option as far as if the, the more desirable person to move as far as what teams may want, if I name the Khalil Mack, 
that you can be like, we got us another stud right here. And that's saying a lot for a guy who had just two sacks last year. And we were all just talking about how terrible that contract situation was and how quickly we want to get out of it. Uh, so listen, let's get to your article real, uh, real quick. Do we want to hit fields? We haven't really talked fields at all. Yeah. Let's, let's just definitely, I, I, I know. I, I didn't know if we had enough time. Uh, I want to say this when we start the fields conversation uh, <laughs> to me, this was the best. Oh, okay. I'm a run game that he had as far as you know what i don't see it i'm taking off he had 74 yards on nine carries so as a positive that was what i liked about this game but go ahead uh, let's get the field oh i just figured we should hit this because that that other stuff as important as as it is that'll be there that's not going anywhere i guess that's my thought here but uh i thought it was he, he looked rusty right he hasn't played in several weeks he looked like he was shaking some rust off he had some moments. It's kind of a microcosm of everything we've been talking about. He had some moments where the flashes are there, right? And there were some other moments where it was like, hmm, not need to clean that up. Like the pick six. Uh, Coach mm-hmm. Wanstead broke it down perfectly on the, on our football after show last night. You can find the video on YouTube. The ball's got to be there earlier. The ball's got to be there yeah. as soon as Darnell Mooney cuts and turns to look for the ball. And the, the defender was like three yards away from him at that time. But he didn't. And he got it there a little late. And the ball was a little behind him. And that's six the other way. But what, what I really wanted to highlight and what was really great to see was that happens and it's on the road. It's in Lambo. It's against your arch rival. And it's super deflating, right? You had, you've had this lead. You just handed them seven points. They've just scored two touchdowns on, I think consecutive plays almost, or within the span of a couple plays, a few plays, he comes right back out and on third and four, same down in distance as the pick six, by the way, and delivers a strike over the middle under pressure and as much as the uh, throw behind Mooney led to the pick six, he led Demir Bird perfectly across yeah. the middle. And yeah. as much as anything, he's re- Fields is responsible for that touchdown because he led him perfectly, and he yeah. caught Bird caught it in stride and didn't have to break stride and was gone. So it, it was the good With and the, the bad barreling down on him. Correct, and then the, the <laughs> pocket was not clean. It was not. He was not. Uh, I don't think he got crushed on that play, but there were some hands up on the line and the pocket was collapsing. So it was good to see that response. You know, you respond to adver- how you respond to adversity means so much in the NFL. And that was really great to see. It was definitely a, a mixed bag. I didn't uh, I didn't think he played great, but I think it's these little things. You know, we're I think we're kind of the, the, the ship has sailed on this this group of coaches really developing him right so i think what we're looking at the rest of the year is more how is he going to take these experiences and what happens to him and kind of bank these things and learn you know on the pick six hopefully he learns from that right i i got us i got to deliver that earlier etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's what we're looking for and we want these little moments so i was happy to see a, a couple little moments last night that indicated that progression um i know he banged his hand up alex that was something that matt Nagy talked about after yeah. the game maybe we'll find out more today certainly wednesday when the first injury report comes out but um definitely mixed bag um but tony again, Gill slandered him he, he, i'm yes, gonna i'm gonna yes. take a wild guess in terms of the hand and just i'm just gonna take a guess that the bears are working through that right now <laughs> just a wild guess oh man um, one, one more note one more note after I took that little cheap shot, one more note on the totally warranted, by the way, totally warranted. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. They're, they're working through that. Um, One more note on the pick six that Chris Collinsworth, I believe mentioned. Um, He stared down that receiver too. He really stared him down. Did not look anywhere else on that play. So Razul Douglas just followed his eyes. It's like, Oh, uh, this ball is coming right here, right now. And he was able to undercut it. Yeah, exactly. 
So that's one more note. But you're also absolutely right. That throw was it was like perfect to Demir Birding. It was mm-hmm. in the exact right spot for him to catch it in stride and keep running. The one thing, and we slandered uh, Tony Gill a little bit for going in on uh, fields in our little under center group chat, but we got to give him a little credit. It was after that 19 yard jump pass super early in the game. He makes the jump pass connects 19 yard game. It's like, Ooh, that's, those are off schedule throws, weird throws off platform throws that like Patrick Mahomes makes. And Tony Gill was like, yo, is this a bad habit that we need to be worrying about? And I kind of pushed back and said, yo, when Patrick Mahomes makes that play, we call him the baby goat. Why, why not keep that same energy for Justin Fields? Right. But then as the game went on, he had like four five, six of those jump passes where you start thinking, ooh, actually, maybe this is a little bit too much. I mean, doing one or two of those is flashy and great if you absolutely need to. But but stuff like that is a little bit concerning. And we've seen a a few of those maybe bad habits. Um, The spin moves, the turning the back to the defender to taking the big shots. We've seen him put the ball on the turf a lot. Now these jump passes where we sing Justin Fields praises a lot on this podcast, but things like that, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to question, like, are these bad habits developing? And I think you want to see those nipped in the bud sooner rather yeah. than later. You don't want to see him turning his back to the to the defense very much. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, one jump pass, cool. <laughs> Six jump passes, maybe mm-hmm. not as cool. Because on a few of them we saw, I mean, he didn't really have a lot of juice on him. They were kind of fluttering through the air because obviously he can't drive. You know, he can't really get his weight into the throw when he's in the air. So got to give TG a little bit of credit for for putting that alert out there early because that did um, that did kind of bear out to be true that there were a, a few many too many jump passes, at least for my taste. And Real credit quick. to the Packers, the pass rush. I mean, they were getting after it. They they were they were pushing. Yeah. Uh, they were Kenny pushing Clark. hard. Kenny second Clark half, is, like it was oh, with two and, and with two rookie tackles. Like it was not a great situation for for Fields, uh, but it's it's totally warranted. I mean, th- there are some some slight concerns. I think the question was posed in that same thread. Like, are we starting to worry he's not the, all that in a bag of chips, right? And I think it's certainly fair to to go there. But I think. What we're, what we're trying to do is look at this long term, right? Like, it's not about this year. It's never been about this year. And I don't think mm-hmm. anyone thinks that we're saying that. But I think we're, what we're trying to do is look at the the, the building blocks, right? Because we're looking at this as like, hey, what, how is this going to build into year two, into year three? And it has not been all roses this year. That's for sure. There have been some great moments, no doubt. We can all remember them, I'm sure, running through our heads right now in our mind's eye. But there's also been a lot of not so good stuff. Right. And that's to be expected to a degree from a rookie quarterback. And I think that's why this what if and when we got to keep saying if but if and when this this regime change happens. Right. The next coaching staff is going to that decision will be one of the biggest in Bears history, because that's going to be the team that is entrusted the, the management and or coaching staff team, however you want to phrase it, that is tasked with the development of fields. And these next three, two to three years are going to be huge for him. And I think we'll really lay the foundation for how high he can go in terms of the la- the quarterback ladder. How good can he be? Because I think it's clear he has all the physical gifts. 
he's clearly got a lot of mental acuity and, and awareness and whatnot. It's just how do you harness it all? How do you put it all together? And that next hire is going to be huge. And that's it's an added any any head coaching hire is huge, but it's an added layer to it where it's like you have this asset that is that is on a timer, so to speak. Right. Like you can't you don't stick with young quarterbacks forever if they continue. We saw with Trubisky, if they continue to make uh, whether or if they're not making enough progress. Right. So I, I think there's certainly there's always been some concern that it won't pan out. Nothing's a sure thing in the NFL, but I think there have been enough. Uh, flashes for me to really be excited moving forward but still obviously plenty on the other side of ledger that you have to take account of and and be aware of and understand that there's going to be some habits that need to be broken there's going to be some things that need to be uh, coached up and etc but that's like with any rookie quarterback so I I think it's important I think it's good that we brought it up to kind of we got to balance the ledger a little bit because I I, self-admittedly like I definitely am a glass half full guy right I've said this before I like to bask in the positives and and pay a little more attention to those because it's exciting but there's certainly are it's a it's been a mixed bag and i think it's important to to uh understand that and to admit that and there were other organizations that passed on them and I, yeah. being that we're used to the, being the bears is in the back of your mind you still slightly have a why did they do it because some of those organizations are good organizations uh, but you mentioned as far as uh, the next or the next regime that'll be tasked as far as taking him to the next level, which maybe includes his former head coach and uh, a, a, a guy that was a former defensive end for the Bears who now is an agent for coaches. But before we jump into Alex's article, I will say this and being the guy that came up with baby goat. Um, and I have to say this because Kansas City's back. Um, watch that because there's only one Patrick Mahomes out there. So I just want to put that out there. There's, and I wouldn't have told you this two or three weeks ago, but man, Kansas City's back. But anyway, now get into your article, Alex, as far as former Bears defensive end Trace Armstrong, who we know is an agent for coaches, and one of those coaches is Matt Nagy, but mm-hmm. also Ohio State head coach. Uh, Ryan Day, who was Justin Fields' coach, of course, while he was at Ohio State. Uh, there's been a little bit of news about that. Can you break that down before we get out of here, Alex, please? Yeah, very briefly, because I do got to get to Hallis Hall to see what Matt Nagy has to say on this Monday afternoon. Um, so if you want all the details, please check it out, NBCSportsChicago.com or on the My Teams app. That's where you can find it. But essentially, Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports uh, put this – report out there saying that the bears have spoken to trace armstrong who's a defensive end for the bears in the early 90s um played for a few other teams as well and team really likes trace armstrong as a uh, as a player ambassador now he's a a coach's agent as you mentioned um that they had discussions with him about taking over some new role as quote unquote overseer of football operations, whatever that role is going to be titled, that he would he would head up football operations. Uh, Ted Phillips would have nothing to do with the football business. I, this is me editorializing. I, I would imagine that Ted Phillips would have nothing to do with football operations at that point, and that a GM and head coach would report to him. Trace Armstrong very quickly afterwards refuted that. Um, but I would not be surprised if discussions actually did happen because, um, according to the report, he was there and I, I'm going to butcher his name. The, there was the death in the, in the, uh, bears organization and a bunch of former players came back to pay their respects to honor him. So while all of these former players were back in Chicago, that according to La Confora is when 
Trace Armstrong was talking with the Bears about this possibility. Um, at Eric, it sounds like you want to say something, so jump in there. Oh, it was Clyde Emmerich was the coach Thank who, you. who passed away, the longtime strength and conditioning coach. I just wanted to throw his name out there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I couldn't remember his last name, so I didn't even want to take a stab at it. Um, so that was when this happened. Um, and linked in there was the fact that Trace Armstrong is really into Ryan Day and could Ryan Day be part of this package deal of making Trace Armstrong the czar of football operations and Ryan Day is going to be the next head coach. So we'll see. It's certainly something to monitor. It's something that we've talked about a lot. It's something that would make sense about creating this new role for oversight over any GM. Um, A lot of names have been bandied about. Um, So add Trace Armstrong's name to that list. And we will see what happens. I believe we talked about Trace Armstrong on this podcast, didn't we? Uh, Hogan, Hogan, Ken, and I did. Yeah, because we came yeah, up exactly. in a Pompeii article. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a, it's another name in that mix. Again, I broke that down kind of bare bones. If you want to see all the details, check it out on the website. Check it out on the app. And what else is he going to say? I mean, Nagy's his client. It's, that would be bad form for him to oh, not yeah. say oh. no. Like, geez. <laughs> um, so not surprising. Whether he talked to him or not, he's got to deny it. It's the only appropriate right. thing to do at this point. And uh, I know you got to get out of here, Alex. The last thing I'll say, it's just the start of the rumor mill season. Right. It's the first right. of many names that will be connected to the Chicago Bears for a couple different positions. So we'll see what happens. We'll be back on Wednesday with Adam Hogue, and we'll dive further into this Trace Armstrong and any other speculative information we have about what may happen in the offseason. Great follow if you hit us with the five-star, and if you're betting, use points bet. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.